Uncovered Insurance, the podcast that strives to bridge the thrilling world of insurance with the real-life struggles of those of us in the trenches. I'm your host, Dustin Bryant. For producing and servicing agents, insurance centers around relationships and personal connection. And let's face it, building relationships can be, well, awkward. In this studio, our conversations are unscripted, unplanned, and may or may not have you wondering, what just happened? If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and share with all of your fellow insurance nerds. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Now let's dive in. Welcome. Today I have with me Mary Catherine Henderson. You know, you and I have never officially met, but the insurance industry and world, especially here in Arkansas, is rather small. And so you hear about folks that are making names for themselves or just, you know, prominent in our area since we're just such a small, big area. Can I call you MK? Is that Absolutely. okay? Most people do. Oh. Oh, awesome. Well, like I said, we've never officially met, so I never actually officially asked permission to call you by your nickname. (laughs) I wanted to make sure that was okay. So MK, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, And here's hoping that we're making good names for ourselves since both of us, it was really funny when I reached out to you, you were like, yeah, I've totally heard your name. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a little scary. You know, I try to stay under the radar. (laughs) It's a small world. You can't do that in the insurance world here in Arkansas. Right? So hopefully we're both making good names for ourselves. And as for the name that you're making for yourself, you are the National Alliance CISR of the Year for 2019. Reigning. I'm I'm the reigning Miss Insurance America. That's what I like to call it. Pageant wave. Just Uh go ahead and do that real quick. Yep. 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 I should wear my crown for this podcast. You got this outstanding award for your outstanding service to clients and the insurance industry. So congratulations on that. And are you ready to hand over your reigning crown anytime soon? Or are you going to like run with it? (laughs) You know, I mean, I feel like I I said last year, like, I I feel like I've peaked. I don't know what I'm going to do from here. Um, It was just (laughs) the the coolest experience ever. And I, I was just honored. I still don't feel like I'm worthy or that I do anything different than any of you are. But, um, I loved, I've, I've loved every minute of it. It's been great. That's awesome. If if anybody has not seen her Oscar of the Year Award video, search for that. You've got to watch it because it's absolutely amazing. And you get the the feel of Arkansas through MK's accent throughout the entire video. <laughs> That's so true. Absolutely. Yep. Whoopee. Tell me a little bit about you and your journey in insurance and life. Okay, so insurance is all I know. Um, I started in insurance when I was 16. It was my first, well, well, technically my second real job. Um, I started as a file clerk. So I was faxing Accord applications before I knew what an Accord application was. So I've been doing this now like half my life. I'm 34. So I, I guess I've been doing this longer than I haven't been, which is crazy. But so then I, I, at a very young age, moved to the agency side. And I've been on the agency side ever since. I started as a receptionist. Then I went personal lines. Then I went to commercial lines. So I kind of have, um, I've experienced a little bit of all of it. Uh, I love it all, uh, personal and commercial. Um, I even like being the receptionist. So uh, (laughs) 
I've worked at the days when you're just completely overwhelmed where you're like, can I just answer the phones today? Exactly. You know, everybody else. (laughs) You leave it all there. You know, you just, yeah. Can I just process the mail, please? Yeah, Uh, you can use your garlands and your honeys and you don't have to get frustrated by, I get it. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, I, that, like, that's kind of my story. I just started a new job in the middle of the pandemic. Um, Insurance is hiring. Working from home and I wanted to keep working from home. And so I got a job that's letting me do that, which is awesome. And um, so now I'm working for Crosspoint Insurance Advisors and I'm an account manager um, doing both commercial and personal still. So that's great. But that's that- um is that a little bit enough? Is that enough? That's great. That's a quick walk through your insurance and just uh, through your insurance profile there. And I think, you know what, it sounds really familiar with how most people enter it. You do, you enter it accidentally. And a lot of times you do start with first lines and then move into commercial lines. And I love that you were able to find something um, you and I kind of connected personally earlier and that you were kind of struggling with this going back to work environment after being at home because you have, is it two kids, right? I do. So I have Garrett, he's my three-year-old and then Piper, my little girl, and mm-hmm. she was born on March the 5th, oh pretty God. much like one week before COVID <laughs> the whole world shut down. So it was like oh my gosh. maternity leave with the rest of the world. Like everybody took maternity leave at the same time I did, right? Uh, you know, and so then it's like I just never really re-entered the world. I've just kind of been home ever since, which is great and fabulous, and I love it. Right? Did you ever think that you would love this environment, or were you oh, like, I am a solid office chick? Um, you know, it's really hard <laughs> for me. Um, I love my job, and uh, insurance is such a big part of who I am, and my job is such a big part of who I am. So then when I became a mom, having to balance that has has been weird and hard for me. Um, And so after I had baby number two, mom, like I still love my job and I work very hard and but the mom's first. And so getting to work from home is just made it so much easier to be a mom and be good at my job. So I can do laundry and I can start dinner and I can do all of the things that a mom has to do. Girl, where is your husband? <laughs> that husband ever. He gets the kids up and he we we get them ready and he takes them every morning. So like he's the best. My husband is absolutely the best, but um he's not a very good cook. So he does <laughs> um and he does all of the outside stuff and I do all of the laundry. So like we we really do have a great checks and balance. Kind so of. good. Our roles here are reversed. He cooks and does the inside stuff, and I work and do the outside. Oh, that's stuff. funny. No, <laughs> if it's outdoors, if it's exterior, it's him. If it's interior, it's it's me. That's fun. So how old is your oldest? So my oldest will be four in a month. So we'll be four yeah, on so the, we're going through the threes right now. Have you oh yeah, surviving right? Definition of a three major. Oh my gosh, I have one of my own, and he's just like the spawn of Satan some days. <laughs> it's I so agree. hard. And my husband will say, I don't negotiate with terrorists. Every time we just get into this negotiation war with this tiny little three terrorist. It's not so, so funny. So for either of your kids, um, did you have a gender reveal party 
I am a big fan of the gender reveal. My husband is not. I hate them. So my first kid, Garrett, uh, we went in at 18 weeks and asked the doctor if he could do like, a, you know, like a, a, an ultrasound. Not it, was, it wasn't our full blown. It was just a like sneak peek, I guess you could call it. And so at 18 weeks, he told us that we were having a girl. And he's a doctor. And he was like, I'm 80% sure. And I'm like, you know, 80, 80, I can work with 80%. And so we left there. Uh, we went and bought pink cupcakes. Oh, and gosh. cupcakes to all of our family members. And oh, gosh. So like, that was like our gender reveal, right? It's a girl. Yay! And then a month later, we went back for our full ultrasound. The first thing that the ultrasound tech said was, congratulations, it's a boy. And then so, you're like, wait, what? We've been through this already. That's not what they told us. We're wrong. Like, yeah. where's your ENO insurance? <laughs> I mean, I spent the rest of that ultrasound in disbelief. Like, I don't remember. Oh, no. You probably had a name like that. What was Garrett going to be named? So Garrett was going to be Piper. That was our oh. girl. So her name was Piper. And we, I picked the nurse. We hadn't painted anything yet. But I have bought some clothes. I probably wanted a boy. And so it took me a little while to be okay with the bows and the ballerinas and, and that I'd gotten used to it and I was excited. And then they told me it was a boy and I was like, but, but oh, and your hopes and not what? what? So um, anyway, we found out it was a boy and we did the same thing. We took cupcakes with blue icing and <laughs> a picture to say, just kidding. It's a boy. Well, and I'm such a planner. Like I am. I, I need to know things like there was no, there was never going to be like a surprise that I needed to know the gender as soon as I could know the gender. Like I, I need to plan everything that I can plan. Uh, sure. And so I think that was God kind of being like, ha ha, you just thought, you just thought you were, you know, yeah. so, so very apprehensive during the second child, huh? Well, so then, okay. I don't know if you know about this, but, and I don't think it was around when Garrett was born, but there is this thing that you can buy on Amazon called sneak peek. And you prick your finger and you send it off to a lab. And as soon as eight weeks of like, when you find out you're pregnant, eight weeks, they can tell you if you're having a boy or a girl so they take your blood for Y chromosomes. And so we did that with Piper. So at eight weeks, actually it's probably 10 weeks. We sent off the finger prick and got the results and found out she was a girl before you know but I didn't really like hello I didn't really believe that like right everything I'd been through the first time around right <laughs> this is like the the string and the ring and whether it goes back and forth or <laughs> exactly. up and down yeah it was accurate and um, your doctor's probably going oh my god but I think <laughs> I think it was so much fun I, if you're pregnant or if you know somebody that's having a baby look on Amazon sneak peek um, it was, I think, fifty dollars. It was, it was just fun. It was a really, it was a fun thing to do early on in pregnancy when you can't really do much, you know, anything else. So the reason why we're talking about this, of course, is because there are some wildfires that are burning out west. Happens every year, started by one thing or another. But this year in September, it came to light that one of the wildfires was started by a gender reveal party that used a pyrotechnic. Now, initially, my brain just sends off all these red signals like, holy crap, you are in California. You shouldn't be using pyrotechnics for anything. 
Now, I don't even know what type of pyrotechnic this was. I'm, I'm imagining it. It's one of those pop tube things that still needs a little bit of a spark to shoot stuff out of it, like the smoke or whatever. Well, you've got to have fire to have smoke either way. But maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe it backfired into the grass or whatever. But still, this uh, particular wildfire has destroyed over 10,000 acres in California. And unfortunately, it has displaced over 21,000 people, from what I understand, from their homes, and even uh, contributed to the death of a firefighter. But it's not the first one this year. This is what I never heard of a fire being started by a gender reveal, reveal party until this year. And so when I was researching it and Googling around it, it's actually pretty common. It's like very common. So you'd think that this was a thing by now that people would stop using pyrotechnics for this kind of thing. So it's not the first one this year. In Florida, there was a 10-acre brush fire started by a gender reveal pyrotechnic in April of this year. And still not the first one. So in 2017, there was an even bigger fire, uh, I think around Santa Rita Mountains in Arizona, that was also started. Now, this one seemed, this one was right on par with the male personality. It wasn't just a pyrotechnic. This guy was shooting something at something. <laughs> it's like, but it was called legal. It was whatever this, it was very weird sounding name of something that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but it said it was legal. It was legal for him to have it. And he's shooting something at something and starts a fire. And this burned 47,000 acres in uh, Santa Rita Mountains uh, in Arizona, causing 8.2 million in damages. This is insane. Like, why? I think I have a theory. You know, I told you my husband doesn't want to do a party. If I let him blow something up, he'd probably let me have the party. So I'm assuming that everybody else is like that, too. Well, the only way my husband's going to let me do this is if I let him blow something up. Right. I mean, traditionally, if you think about baby showers, it's a it's a female thing. Yeah, you've got your female friends and your female ladies. Well, here lately, females are dragging their husbands along like you're coming too. And they're like, well, if I'm going buds, you're coming too. And everybody's sucked into this party. Well, in order to get everybody on the same page, let's blow something, blow something up. <laughs> and in the South, what do we say in the South here? Hold my beer. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, like, I get it. It doesn't make it right. And I think after, you know, just hearing, you think people would learn, people don't learn. But like we could still have a gender reveal and not have to blow something up, right? right. You can slice it to a cake or I right. thought- well, I mean, that's how gender reveals got started to begin with. Uh, you can you can Google around and find different things about when gender reveals got started. There's one that says it's like in 2006. There's one that's in 2008. Um, but from this recent fire, there's somebody that's speaking out, you know, the, this kind of stuff happens because videos go viral, right? And so this particular person, her gender reveal was in 2008. Her video went uh, went viral, but all it was was cutting into a cake. And she's like, come on, guys, stop it. These parties are senseless. I am so sorry that I even triggered this to begin with. Can you imagine carrying that weight on your shoulders? Like, oh my gosh. All I did was cut into a cake and post it on social media for my friends to see and now we got fires in California with 21,000 people out of their homes. She can't take the blame for all the crazy Well, things. how could you not feel responsible? For I that? know. I'm not saying that she needs to take responsibility for it. Absolutely not. You're right. People don't learn. And if anybody has learned that lesson, 2020 has taught us that lesson that people don't learn. <laughs> right. Amen. <laughs> 
So we're here to talk about coverage that you have. Um, I, I'm a personalized person. That That is where my foundation is rooted. I can talk about personalized all day. You can get me on a thousand different soapboxes. I will talk to anybody you want to talk to and talk coverage all day long. So we're here to talk about coverage and what coverage you have if you're a victim of a wildfire or fire, then what coverage do you have if you are the fire starter yourself? I mean, because that's pretty important too. When people start talking about coverage, they're like, oh, what does my policy say? Well, what about the pre-thought when you're having the party? What if I set something on fire? Do I have coverage? (laughs) Okay, I have a question for you. Do you think that because we're an insurance, I think we're the only people that think that way. Nobody else would ever think. Well, oh, no, absolutely. You know, um, you know, when you're in insurance, you think about risk m- multiple different ways. Um, and as a fact, the person that makes the best risk manager is the one that is constantly absorbed by anxiety for overthinking things. I actually do think that insurance and risk managers are probably, uh, well, and lawyers, lawyers think about everything too are the mm-hmm. ones that think all the way through these different scenarios. It's the same thing with, you know, what's happening with COVID right now and the um, the learning pods that that are popping up for people doing virtual learning. Everybody just thought, you know what, this is a great idea. I'm going to have my kids' friends over because, you know, they socialize together and I want my kid to get the social aspect, but they're not thinking about the homeowner's insurance. Well, the insurance agent isn't thinking about it either until they're like, oh, wait a second. Oh, wait, you're going to have more people in your house and the teacher that you're paying. And you said, what now? Because you've only got a hundred thousand in liability on your homeowner. I need to do a better job at that. So on the homeowner policy, let's talk about that for a second. On the homeowner policy, you start with your property coverage, which is your dwelling and your other structures and your personal property. Of course, the insurance risk manager, the personal advisor to these folks, they need to make sure that they understand the coverage. The agent needs to understand the coverage that they're selling. A lot of times homeowners don't come with all of the endorsements pre-packaged in, especially right now. I think what I had noticed more being an account manager is that, especially with the commercials, where it's like pick your own coverage. Oh, don't even started. Oh, it's a huge soapbox of mine because all this stuff was wonderfully packaged before. <laughs> right. And now, and you now got this pick your own coverage. Yeah. And now you've got yeah. this your own coverage stuff, especially geared to get clients online and doing stuff online instead of having insurance advisors. Yeah, I see you say, oh my gosh. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's right. Please do not do your coverage online. I've got a great story about that, but that's another topic for another day. But don't pick your own coverage. And if your clients are picking their own coverage and they're going online and they're sending you these quotes, look, this is the right that I got. Yeah, but let's take a look at what endorsements you don't have. You don't have extended replacement costs on your home. You you could have even gotten guaranteed replacement costs if you just listened to me. Or same for personal property. The unendorsed homeowner policy is not going to have replacement costs on personal property, period. And and they don't understand that. And then you kind of have to provide this little brief education for them about what open peril and name peril means and, you know, go down that rabbit hole, if you will. So the account manager, the insurance advisor needs to make sure that they understand the coverage that they're selling from the companies that have started segmenting all of their endorsements and the pick your own and, you know, tailor your coverage and all that stuff. Make sure you've got the right replacement costs on your home. Don't just skim through those replacement cost estimators. 
And I think, is it the same for commercial lines where you have to really make sure that you're making, you're certain that you've got the right coverage on the buildings? And I know for blanket forms, make certain that you've got the right coverage for buildings that are in the same area for sure, because you don't want to cut your blanket limit short if everything is all in one little co-insurance that'll get you and come right. <laughs> So that's something to think about. And yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, I, you know, I was thinking there's not one policy that's going to cover everything. And in, in the case of a fire loss, I mean, if you've got you, autos are going to be covered under an auto policy, equipment's going to be covered right. under the Marine, your, your building's going to be covered under your property policy. So you've got all those different things to think about. And, and it's kind of the same in commercial lines. You know, you've got basic, broad, and special form. Fire is considered covered payroll and on the basic form. So you've got fire coverage on no matter what form you have. I can't tell you the last time I wrote a basic policy, but that's something to think Gosh, about. If you have, you don't need to be doing it no. down the road. Same thing with valuation, you know, ACV versus replacement costs. So we, I mean, it's, it's the same, but it's different. Um, and I, I could probably talk, I could talk for personal or commercial all day long. I think, right. um, you know, I, like fires for me, or it's more personal. Um, so I, I, that's hard to say, but like, I think that you can relate more when you're talking about your own stuff getting burned up right. in a fire. You yeah. probably care more about your Christmas ornaments. That would be what I'd care about. Or your clothes. So, I mean, something to think about there, but um, yeah, but when you think about personal property, I mean, a lot of folks do vastly underestimate even the value of their own personal property. They look at that limit on their policy and they think, oh, I've got enough, you know, whatever it is, whether you're selling a policy that's got the basic 50% of coverage A or um, it's beefed up and has 75% or, you know, they increase their limits because they recognize they needed more. I can promise you it's almost never enough. And I don't no. think I've ever had a claim. And I've had some total fire loss claims. I don't think I've ever had a claim where somebody's gone, oh, you gave me too much coverage. <laughs> right? That right? But I know I've had claims where they've gone, I don't have enough. Uh, so I yeah, I mean. Had total fire loss. Um, thank goodness, right? I've never had to deal with that on personal or commercial side. Um I think maybe we've had a few in agencies when I've when I've worked there, but um, I'm very fortunate to not never have had to hold someone's hand while they go through that process because I just yeah. can't imagine. It's devastating. Yeah. It's a great learning experience. It gives you a lot of information for selling to your clients. To be honest with you, because you're like, let me tell you about something that happened and it ain't happy. Um, but no, I've had a couple, and I've had one. You know, it was just. Um, his uh, his limits performed great and he moved you know, he grew up and got a better job and a better job and a better job and ended up as a high value client and moved from one state to the next and he didn't care what premiums we charged he just wanted to stick with me because the coverage we wrote was what was needed and that's what stuck in his mind and he literally even wanted to stick with the carrier that handled the claim as well because of how well the claim was handled so, you know, that that's just multifaceted when you think about writing the right limits for your client. It's not just for the claim. It's also for retention. It's also for relationships. It's also for peace of mind because, you know, that's the whole reason they're buying the coverage to begin with. Um, so for personal property, I have a question. 
because I think I think I've only done this a handful of times and it's for somebody that they've asked for it themselves. Have you ever given somebody a property inventory booklet for them to walk through their house, write down their clothing and their furniture and kind of estimate the values of what they think everything is to kind of get them to really think about what that limit means to them? So uh, I've never given them a booklet, but I have on several occasions asked folks like they'll say well how do I, what do I do if I ever have a claim and what I always will say is you need to walk through your house once every few years and take some pictures yeah so you've got those pictures either on your phone and a safe somewhere so that if something happens you have something that you can pull up and right. reflect on if everything's gone how are you going to remember what you had yeah, that's exactly the advice that I give now. Now, the booklet came into play really early in the career when fax machines were still like a legitimate <laughs> piece of business property. <laughs> like we had the flip phones and you had to press one like three exactly. times to get the right letter and you were so really quick at it. Anyway, so yeah, so no, the property in inventory booklet, taking the picture is a great piece of advice. Walk through your house. You know, have them send you the pictures. Keep those on file at the agency so that when they're in that stressful moment, like, I mean, when you're stressed out, can you even remember what email button to push in order to send the email, you know? Right. Um, so if you've got those on file, you know, same for... Um, That's a the, great yeah, Right. Same for, um, for appraisals. Keeping those on file at the agency is more than just about... Um, you know, being able to produce them in the middle of an audit. It's about being able to produce them in the middle of a claim so that your client doesn't have to go looking around for stuff that is probably destroyed at that point. And so, and here's another thing is a lot of folks, you may ask any one of your clients if they know the serial items or have retained the serial items, serial numbers, or have retained the serial numbers to their big ticket items, their TVs, their sound systems, their their iPads even. I mean, that's a huge thing that iPads are so frequently stolen or iPhones. If you've got your serial number and a police department maintains or it obtains that um, item, they can get it back to you, but nobody keeps their boxes. Do you have a box of boxes that's in your attic? Um, no. Of all like your electronic <laughs> boxes from like 10 years back? I don't, but I, I also am not. Are you even an adult if you don't? <laughs> now I'm, I'm about to go take pictures of all the serial numbers on all my TVs because yes. I didn't do that either. Your serial numbers on your TVs, your electronics, your computers, your iPhones, your iWatches, all of that stuff. Maintain that stuff because that stuff is is recovered a lot of times by police departments. It's in I do. even related to fire. But recovered, but they can't get it back to the owner because nobody reported a serial number in on any of these stolen items. That's smart. I do register most everything I can. Like if there's a like a website to go register your product. Are you, you know. gonna remember where to go though when you're stressed oh, out? No, but I oh, no. <laughs> I am gonna go take pictures. Lesson learned. Yeah, put been, that on your to-do list for Monday. <laughs> um, so you've got so we've covered dwelling, we've covered property. Um, let's talk about, um, you know, there's a wonderful coverage that not a lot of people understand or eat. Well, it's easy to understand, but they may not know that in the, in the high risk of a fire, you know, the fire's coming, uh, coming, it looks like you need to get out. You've got all risk coverage for your property when you move it from the home 
in order to try and preserve it. Now that's it's a limited window, but what we mean by when we say all risk coverage is floods not covered under homeowner policy. You take your stuff in a trailer and you load it and you go down river because you're trying to get closer to a water source to get away from the fire. I don't know, I'm making stuff up at this point. But that <laughs> that that river floods and you're, you know, and you've got you've got the coverage for the flood um to the damage that occurs to your personal items, or you put it in a storage facility and that storage facility floods, you've got the coverage for that because you've moved it from imminent danger or peril that's covered under your homeowner policy. Um, and, and now you've got that flood coverage there too. So move your stuff that comes with a disclaimer. We'll talk about that disclaimer in just a little bit, but then there's also, um, the loss of use. You've got two different things going on there. You've got your loss of use for when your home burns down. Um, and now you're going to have to stay in a hotel, stay with a relative. You've got increased costs for having food expense, the laundry stuff. Of course, it's, increased expense, it's additional living expense. So, you know, the company is going to deduct what your normal living expense would have been on top of that. Um, but you've got that. So agents need, this one is tricky for agents sometimes um, because you need to know the policy you're selling. Some policies will limit that by a time period. Some policies will limit that by a dollar amount and some policies will do both. Some policies may say unlimited expense. So you've got to know what you're selling because in a time, if you think about this, in a time of a wildfire, how many homes are being destroyed? Right. You never like know how long you're going to be out. Right. So like a lot. And that amount of time that you've got when you've got to get a contractor, you've got to get the right uh, building code property permits or whatever. I'm just struggling for words here. Kick in anytime. <laughs> You know, the building code permits in order to get that stuff you've got, you maybe you need an architect because you've had this really big, lovely, fancy house, but all that stuff takes time. And if everybody is doing it at the same time and the city is having to approve permits all at the same time, you're going to have to get in line, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to take time. So you might not expend your, your monies on your policy. You might expend your time if you're under one of those policies that limits it by what, 12 months sometimes is a really limited policy. Two years, depending on what carrier you're using. Have you run into any situations like that in your experience? Um, well, no. With something else to add to that, when you're trying to sell people on if you've had a loss and you're in line with a billion other people, in Arkansas, we say that with tornadoes quite often. Right. Um, because they'll say, well, it's not going to cost that much to rebuild my house. Or right. it's, you know, the, that that kind of argument you get when you do the replacement cost estimator versus oh, how much you pay for it, that whole deal. And you say, well, inflation, if everybody wants it, they're going to charge those contractors, you know, 20% more. So about not only loss of use, but the inflated cost of, of rebuilding right. after a natural disaster. Right. Um, Including I, debris removal. Don't forget about debris removal. And absolutely. And you look at, like you said, all of these homeowners carriers are bundling these things and now they're giving the option to unbundle. But if you look at those tiers of coverage, you know, every single homeowners carrier offers like Silver, bronze, silver, and gold, and and optimum, premium, super plus. <laughs> and some of them don't matter, and some of them right. are just like extra. But some right. of the peers really do provide more additional, more uh, additional living expense, or 
you get 125% replacement costs and you get bumped to 150. All of those things matter. And for the, for the charge, I mean, it what's a hundred dollars, maybe extra. Like you just have to think about those things when you're trying to sell a policy. And I get so sick of hearing people say, I want the bare minimum. I want the bare minimum. I don't want to have anything more than the mortgage company wants me to have. And I'm like, but it's not that much more and you're getting what you need. I mean, right. For real though, when you think about the cost and the risk and the financial risk associated with this teeny tiny little cost, something popped into my head as you were talking, how much easier of a time have you had selling one of those, um, those tiered policies because it's got cell phone coverage. (laughs) Right. You've been able to sell like, Hey, this is really going to protect you in additional living expense if you were to have a total fire loss and you have to spend, you know, 24 months outside your home. But they're like, hey, so tell me about that cell phone expense again. (laughs) So under this coverage, you've also got coverage for, um, you know, maybe your home isn't on fire, but the civil authorities have told you that you can't go near your home. You need to evacuate your home. And that's not because they're trying to be meanies or tell you that you shouldn't stay behind and protect your property. It's because, hello, they've got first responders that are going to have to come in and save your butt if you stay behind. They need to preserve their assets too, their people. Um, And then, of course, they also want to put you first and make sure that you've got enough warning to get out of Dodge. Um, But you've got some coverage there. It's not going to last for very long. Usually, but you usually do have some coverage there as well. Um, so now let's talk about the fun part. Let's talk about the fire starter, the man that just has to shoot something at a target and trigger that gas fire. Do they have coverage? Do they? Do they? <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually wrote that down on a from a personal line standpoint. I kind of wanted to ask you what you found. Does, did did the gender reveal guy have any coverage? Right. So I did do some poking around on that and I Googled it in a thousand different ways. And honestly, there's not too many ways that lead back to your homeowner policy. So then you have to rely upon your professional knowledge of the homeowner policy at that point. Um, so of course, you're not going to have coverage if you intentionally start a fire, an arson, arson. or anything like that. Right. Upon. So if you're doing gender reveal now, you know, lawyers will argue anything, right? I mean, they'll argue that the sky isn't blue. It's aqua or something. But so you you start a fire because of a gender reveal. Is it intentional? Not, no. I mean, to me, it's not. It's not going to be intentional. Um, so it's not an intentional fire. And you are going to have coverage um, for your your act. You're, you set something on fire. Oopsie, I, I didn't mean to do that. And that's not where this was supposed to go. I was just trying, I think this particular gender reveal ended up in blue smoke. <laughs> so can you imagine being that kid? Right. <laughs> like, like, please, can you give me a different... <laughs> well, and so then, like, I was, you're, obviously, you, you're, your stuff's covered. I mean, you set a fire, your your stuff's covered, but how much of that could you be liable for? And how right. much of that is mother nature, you know, when spreading embers and, and where does it, where do you draw the line? How, right. 
obviously that's something that we, you, should, you need to talk about on your personal liability policy. The cost between having a hundred thousand dollars and five hundred thousand dollars in coverage is about three dollars a year. So All right, but let's talk about that though. These losses that we've talked about so far, they're millions of dollars. Exactly. I mean, even if you talk your client well into a personal umbrella policy, which every client should have, no matter what, to be honest with you, especially if you're old, young, have kids alive, breathing. Oh, wait. Okay. So you know, and, even if you talk your client into an umbrella, usually you're only going to have a million for your average client. You might have 2 million. The most you can get is 5 million for most standard carriers before you get into excess. If you're in some kind of special um, or high value carrier, you're going to have higher limits than that, but you're not going to have billion dollar limits. <laughs> no, but how much you, are, I mean are you liable for all of it like yeah but I mean that's not quite fair right so let's talk about this 2017 Arizona fire this guy this fire starter he was found guilty in court for starting the fire I didn't write down all the particulars on it um but he did he was ordered to pay um, restitution on that with an initial payment of $100,000 and then $500 per month for 20 years, as well as probation. <laughs> Not sure what probation is going to entail. Like, please don't start any more fires. Let's get away from pyrotechnics. I mean, can we we'll get you to put the guns down and not shoot any more targets? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. But I'm sure his, his wife is like, uh, Jim, that's a bad idea. Just, I mean, we've already been there once. Could you not light that candle? <laughs> Yeah, no more, no more fire starters in the house. No gas stoves in the house. No, <laughs> no gas fireplaces. Nothing that, I'm just going to call it Jim. Nothing that Jim can, can light on fire anymore. Um, so yeah, no, he was ordered to pay back. What did I say? This uh, this particular fire was uh, $8.2 in damages. $8.2 in damages. And he was ordered an initial payment of 100000 And what I did find on that um, was that he used his 401k, his retirement. So now we're not just talking about loss to personal property and loss to our home and our, our personal belongings. We're talking about our retirement savings is going down the drain here because of a really bad mistake we made. Um, and that's where the homeowner's policies and protection should, you know, should come into play. So in, in my opinion, he's got coverage under the liability for this. It wasn't intentional. He started the fire. Um, and so his homeowner policy, if he had one, or his renter's policy, if he had one, um, should have kicked in that liability limit. Of course, it's going to be exhausted. But maybe he wouldn't have had to tap into his retirement for that. Maybe he would have just been able to pull that from his homeowner's policy, probably get a non-renewal. <laughs> the next year i'm not even sure they'd wait for another loss to happen <laughs> no he'd be done <laughs> um and then he's you know and then you're not he's not only risking his current financial future but he's also risking his kids financial future because instead of putting that 500 dollars into a 529 plan for his kids college he's now paying for the firefighters and the the, you know, the water and other people's property and you know everything else um that went up with that claim. Um, so I actually, I had a claim one year and this is one of, uh, this one wasn't a total loss. It was a partial loss. It was utterly devastating. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of use dad and grandpa interchangeably, but there's, there's grandpa, there's dad, and there's grandson as part of this claim. And grandpa, um, out of state, he went to his son's house, was helping him renovate his, uh, his son's garage. They were using flammable materials to remove paint from walls, or I think maybe some wallpaper and stuff like that. And, and the only way we know all of the details of this and how this started is because um, the son had exterior cameras on his house. This really nice house too. Um, so he had exterior cameras on his house. Granddad is disposing of a rag that was doused in flammable liquid improperly, disposes of it in the trash can. I don't know what the thought process was there. And honestly, I mean, Anyways, he disposes of it. It's hot. This trash can catches fire and is smoldering throughout the day, as you see on the camera. And then um, overnight, it just takes a mind of its own and it takes out the garage, the portion of the home that's connected to the garage. Of course, there is um, is utterly devastating. I'm getting chills right now just talking about it because I remember the conversation with these guys. Again, it was out of state. So it's not like something I could have just gone down the street and <laughs> let me you a hug because this is so bad. There was even an involvement of a um, an oxygen tank. I think granddad was on an oxygen tank, um, if I remember that correctly. So lots of bad situations going on here. The house catches fire. Granddad, dad, and grandson are all injured in this fire. Um, there were other, <laughs> get goosebumps again. I can't shake it. So the thing is, is he had coverage though. Thankfully we had coverage. His homeowner's policy had coverage. He had an umbrella limit. You know, his son's policy started paying the policy. And then of course they subrogated on dad's liability. The, the fire was not intentionally started. It wasn't negligent. Yeah. Because he disposed of the flammable liquid improperly. And so then his homeowner policy, granddad's my client, his homeowner policy, of course, exhausted its limits. And then his $1 million umbrella kicked in as well for the, the rest of the property damage and the bodily injury was, uh, that was there. So, I mean, that kept him out of that situation. As, as to, and so I kind of link that with this gender reveal thing that's going on. Did he start the fire on purpose? No. Was it negligent? Yes. You know, but if he had the proper coverage, and you know, there should have been some sort of um, financial buffer there for him. Agreed. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I'm shocked because I, you know, you never. You, I think it's a lot easier for people to process property losses than it is liability losses. Oh yeah, it's a lot easier for people to see, you know, the tangible this caught fire it is covered but the who caused it who done it that part's a lot harder for people to process or even yeah. you know put an example there for people to kind of see like real life this is what happened and here's how it was covered I think that you know hearing things like that's very beneficial to folks when trying yeah. to explain you know I think this story kind of resonates with this gender reveal too because I think if I read correctly, and I could be totally wrong and totally off base, I think the whole way they found out that this, the way this fire was started is that there were, I don't know, were they kind of near the the woods or in a park or something? And I think there were cameras that caught um, this on fire, or that, that caught this whole situation. 
So I'm guessing happening. that cameras saw the granddad put the rag in the trash can. Yeah, yeah. And my claim, yes. Yeah. Because so that's how, yeah. how else could we prove it was granddad that did it, not son that did it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, the, all of that was caught on camera for, for my claim. Um, and it's still it's like this one will haunt me. Because I never got to see the bodily injury. I don't want to see the bodily injury, but you can just imagine what type of bodily injury is involved in something like that. And to to know that it was granddad and dad and grandson and just and there's there's always the financial loss there and there's the property loss there, but then there's also just the loss to self per there. Um, right. And you know, that's another thing that liability coverage is gonna provide for you is that you can't say sorry enough. But I I can at least take the financial burden away just a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. So how do you advise your clients to reduce these risks, whether you're commercial or personal? How do you reduce your risk to? Um, well, I think we all know how to reduce your risk to not starting a fire. But you know, how do you reduce your risk as a homeowner or a property owner, commercial building owner, uh, when you're thinking about the types of materials that are being used? Right. Well, I think if you're in the process of building, you always want to have that discussion. You know, it may cost more on the front end, front end, but if you can use fire-resistant materials, it'd be better on the back end. The first time you heard a party board where you were like, what? I never heard of that before. Well, it's a fire-resistant material. Oh, it's like a concrete fiber kind of thing. Well, right. and the same thing goes with doing your updates. Like that's the one thing that, you know, as an account manager, you just kind of want to skirt by. Like, when was wiring updated? Oh, 2000 and move on down right. the road. Right. But those oh, things. Wait, you still have knob and tube in your home? <laughs> exactly. You know, you can't just. You put an offer on that for a reason. <laughs> right. And the, the knob and tube discovery for me as a young agent, I'm like, what is knob and tube? And they're like, exactly what it sounds like. It's a bunch of knobs and tubes with wires uh -huh. exposed everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You do like, get, how did anybody ever think that was okay? <laughs> in so many building terms when you're an account manager, like things that you, that you don't really know or even care to know about, but you have to know about because... It's what we do. But yeah, so asking those questions, it's it is a it's a pain, you know, but it's our job. That's what we get paid to do. So right. how difficult is the discussion um for you? It's almost a personal discussion and it, it kind of links back to another podcast about the awkward conversations that you have to have with your clients and how difficult they are sometimes. Um homeowner maintenance, just regular homeowner maintenance. I mean, we're That's not awesome. even talking about replacing building materials or, or maintenance around your commercial properties, whatever you will. But especially in these fire prone areas, creating a defensible space, you're clearing your brush away. Now in the South, we love our plants and we love our crepe myrtles that are really big and bushy. And we love our azaleas and our begonias and, you know, and all that stuff. And, and especially right now in the fall as everything is starting to die down and the stuff is you know, turning brown as this, perfect kindling for a fire. So the homeowner maintenance sometimes is the more difficult discussion. Like you can have a discussion with your clients about, you know what, if you're going to remodel, I just want to put it a little nugget in your head. You might think about some fire resistant materials. Yeah. Building codes, building codes are getting there, you know, especially with the insulation. You, you want your fire resistant insulation going into your home. You definitely don't want those cotton balls catching fire, but just stuff like regular homeowner maintenance. 
I don't know about you, but when I ask a client, you're going to need to trim back your trees a little bit. It's like telling them they got to cut off their arms and limbs, right? Oh, I know, right? It's hard. It's like rice magnolia tree. <laughs> um, I think that part, part of our job is building good relationships with our clients. And I think that that's the basis before you can have these tough discussions. And they shouldn't be tough, but they are. But I think if they can consider they you a friend. And you can kind of get in, you know, if you started as a friendly conversation, also, mm -hmm. sorry, sorry, Carrie, your friends, but I love to pass the buck. And so this isn't my fault. <laughs> it's always the carrier has told us that you need to do this. And so the underwriter is being that. so unreasonable. I cannot believe them. Exactly. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. Sorry, sorry, insurance carrier. I've never seen this happen before. I am so sorry. You're gonna have to turn that. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever. I didn't need high definition color photos. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you know, if, you, if there is any one piece of maintenance, as I've thought about it over the years, um, that has ever been one, especially new homeowners. New homeowners don't understand homeowner maintenance. And a lot of times new homeowners or even home people with home policies, they don't understand that this policy is not a maintenance policy. This policy is not going to pay to have your trees trimmed when they should be trimmed. It's going to pay when that tree falls over because you should have had it trimmed. Um, you know, and if they told you to trim it and you didn't, then you, you're going to have a problem there with your coverage. Yeah. Um, but homeowner maintenance, if there is one thing, like clean your gutters out. When you're in a fire hazard zone, a special fire hazard zone, but not only that, anywhere else. There's all those leaves on there. That's perfect kindling to catching your roof on fire. In the winter, no matter what state you're in, we're probably not in Arizona, but yeah, the snow, the ice damming potential that's there where the water melts and refreezes and that water seeps in under that ice dam that's there in your gutter. The insect and rodents getting, through there because the damage to the soft uh, to the the soffits or the fascia the 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 wet rot you know, clean out your gutters man I mean just get I, up on your roof get a ladder <laughs> I have a very handy husband and a very handy father and my dad who is I'm not gonna tell you he won't listen. He's old. He's like almost 70. He still gets up on that darn roof like every day to blow off those gutters. He broke his roof last year. It's his hobby to climb on the roof and blow out the gutters. Have you ever but been up there? He does that. And I married a man that also does that. I feel like I thought, you know, I, I was just thought that every guy likes to do that. But no, it's not really true. Have you ever been up on the roof? No. I'm not getting on the roof. It's so peaceful. I mean, especially when your husband is afraid of heights and your kids can't climb the ladder. I mean, it's just get up there, <laughs> knock the ladder down, and just spend some time by yourself. Right. <laughs> by yourself. And that's what I've resorted to lately. Just get yourself stuck on the roof. So home maintenance is um is a big deal. And and I guess yeah. having those conversations can be difficult, but um right. I think you have to approach everything with a good attitude, a kind attitude, a um, you're not in trouble, but you know what I mean? Those, those kinds right. of conversations. Well, and the more you talk to your clients, make those little plugs in there so that it's not awkward. Yeah. It's easier it is. Yeah, for sure. 
build the relationships there. So before before we end the conversation, remember Smokey the Bear says only you can start forest fires. <laughs> only you can like, prevent forest fires. Dang it, I got it wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna tell Smokey on you. Oh my god. Uh you know, so if you're the fire starter, just don't. I mean, use common sense. Don't be the fire starter. Yeah, do your homeowner maintenance, but if you're the fire starter, just don't be the fire starter. If you're going to start a fire, I'm sorry, if you're at risk for starting a fire, make sure you've got your fire suppressants nearby and a bottle of water or a bladder full of beer doesn't count. <laughs> so make sure you've got your fire suppressants nearby just to make sure that you're getting it done. And here's the thing, you know, I told you I would come back to this and it just came back to mind when you're talking about moving your property, if you're in the middle of, um, you know, a fire risk move your property, but only if there is zero risk, zero risk. I'm not talking slight risk, little risk, minimal risk, zero risk. If you've got enough time to get your stuff out, that's fine. Pack it up and go, but only with zero risk because it's not just you and your family that you're putting at risk at that moment. If you end up getting stuck and have to be rescued, you're putting those rescuers' lives at risk. Those folks want to go home to their families as well. Um, so yes, you're going to have coverage for moving your property, but get rid of your materialism and think about preserving life first. Amen. Um, if you're going to do that. And for these gender reveals, just stop it. I, I mean, mean, okay. So if I have another kid and we get to do a gender reveal, I promise we won't blow anything up. <laughs> Please don't. Okay. <laughs> So here, I am a party person. I'm dying inside because of COVID. Like I am a social person. I love fundraisers and events and, and COVID has really hit me hard because I'm not getting to do all of those things. And so I think any excuse to have a celebration, I'm all about it. Like I love everybody's birthday. I, I just love any reason to, to celebrate. I love to wrap presents, even if it's like, um, some socks like I'll I'll wrap them <laughs> like extract COVID has been my friend because I'm like we don't gotta have birthday parties with a bunch oh, of no. kids I'm dying. around and a thousand presents that they don't need I can be like mm, I'll just grab by and we'll wait well, we just make the best team ever so like you can be this little introvert and I can just be the extrovert over here. I mean, the idea in theory sounds good to me. I love all your ideas. You sound great at it, but then I'm going to be the person that's like, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah, I um, two hours ago, I can't come. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I love a party. So, but I promise we won't blow anything up. But we do live in the country, so we're very familiar with like burning brush here that's part of living in the country arkansas country please um, pay attention to your fire warnings and your burn ban exactly so we are very familiar with all of that and my husband right. is is uh loves the he loves to set things on fire it it, oh, it no. it's not just a insurance it scares me it's a i'm a city girl to my core and we don't do that in the city. Are you sure? Because the way you just said core. <laughs> Arkansas city girl, but I'm still a city girl. Thank you very much. But we don't, you know, you're not allowed to burn in the city limits. And so moving to the country when I got married and just seeing everybody have fires in their front yard was quite the, um, it, like, it, it just scared me and it still scares me. Uh, but 
you know, that's the difference in Arkansas and California. I'm pretty sure that that would be a, a big no-no. And fire starters in every city. Right. <laughs> well, MK, thank you so much for the conversation today. It's been fun. I love talking about coverage. I love connecting with you. I'm so glad that we've gotten to do this. It's truly been like, I'm just smiling from ear to ear. My stomach kind of hurts a little bit because I think I've spent too much energy smiling. Um, but thank you so much for joining me today. Is there anything else that you've got out there? Any parting words, any words of wisdom? No, I'm so glad I got to do this. You know, I've, I've never really been a big, big podcaster. So this has been yeah. an experience, right? I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, to get to the, you know, the new times, the new COVID yeah. times podcasting, Zooming videos, all of those things. But no, thanks for having me on. I, I really, I hope that um, our conversation has helped somebody today and can't yes, wait to hear Absolutely. You. Thank you so much, MK. Bye. I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Thanks for hanging around and listening to another awkward conversation in insurance. Stay tuned for new episodes from Awkward Insurance wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to check out the National Alliance on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or at scic.com. Now go forth and be awkward. Toodles!